Podcast Markets with Chip Nellinger. Chip is with Blue Roof Agri-Marketing out of Morton, Illinois. And this edition of the Moving Iron Podcast is brought to you by Dawson Tire and Wheel, your premier ag tire and wheel provider in North America, helping people grow tractor zoom, delivering insights, and dry shod boots, the official work boot of the Moving Iron Podcast. Chip, how you doing today, man? Good. How are you doing? Not too bad. It has been a, uh, you know, we talk about um, volatility and we've had no lack of volatility uh, over the last year, but this week has been one of those extra volatile, all, extra volatile weeks. You know, we had a, we almost hit two bucks there for a minute. Had a, almost had two dollars and a two in front of corn there for a minute, and uh, this week, and then it kind of rebounded back, gained back about twenty cents or so, and today kind of slid off, and we lost about seven or so cents on corn. So I guess as you take a look this week and kind of what all the different things that kind of came down from that. Um, What's your what's your reflection on this week, and kind of what do you see, maybe bringing some more positivity to the table moving forward next week? Yeah, it's uh, it, it was each week that's gone gone by seems like a month. You know, we've got so right. much news hitting this market, and uh, it's just like a not only is it a black swan, it's a flock of black swans. So, right. um, you know, I, I guess the supportive things out here would be um you know maybe just maybe we've seen the worst of the crude oil situation you know we had a that that uh, front month crude oil go negative uh that was a black swan in and of, of itself we had the june contract that um you know got down into the single digits before bouncing and it's now uh, stabilized around 17 dollars a barrel and so i think that has gone a long way towards kind of Stabilizing um, for the time being, uh, some of our some of our markets. Um, you know, the grain side, we've got a pretty rapid planting pace happening uh, there. That's kind of keeping a lid on things. The ethanol situation, even though crude oil stabilized, ethanol still has massive problems. Um, you know, right now the other black swan that's happening, you've got the Brazilian government that's kind of in a mini meltdown and their currency just uh, is imploding. So that uh, I think probably was a lot of the reason why beans got hit today. It just seems like every other day, the Brazilian currency uh, just is, is making new lows. And what that equates to is their bean to their farmers down there, their bean prices are, I believe, at all time highs. And so they continue to sell beans. It doesn't matter what the price is here. Based on their currency exchange, they are making more money each day. Even when our beans go down a little bit, the currency fluctuation is going more in their favor. They continue to sell beans. They're selling new crop beans. And they're going to plant a lot of acres down there this fall. So that's hanging over us as well. Uh, another big thing here this week that hit um, is some, some talks. And uh, you know, I think we're all getting a little bit tired of talk, particularly when it comes from, uh, uh, you know, China. But there was some talk here that uh, China was looking to buy upwards of uh, 20 million metric tons of corn and 10 million metric tons of beans. 
that's a big number on corn. That um, now there are no specifics. That doesn't mean it's going to be right away. But they were kind of um, you know out there chirping that uh, yes, we're going to uh, fulfill this phase one trade deal, and uh, so 20 million metric tons of corn is a large amount. So north of 700 million bushels. 10 million metric tons of, uh, of beans would be up, uh, I don't know, around 400 million bushels. And so that was taken, um, you know, I think that helped stabilize corn. And we had a, had a nice, a nice bounce off the lows. Like you mentioned, Casey, the, the low for the week is 301 in, uh, in May corn futures. We got up north of 320, closed the week, I believe at 315 and three quarters. And so even though we, we closed lower uh, this week compared to last Friday, you know, we were way off the lows from earlier in the week. So uh, we just got a lot of news hitting this market and, uh, you know, from, from every front. And uh, you want to talk about uh, some volatility and tough times, but yet, you know, farmers are out there planting and that's what they've done. Good times, bad times, you get the crop done and, and they get the job done. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, they're really good at getting the job done for sure. So I guess as you take a look at what's going on with the wheat and some very key growing areas of the world, we're starting to see a lot of dryness and you're starting to see some support there. So I guess what's your thought with wheat, especially with the, the freeze um, damage that we've seen in the, in the southern wheat belt? Yeah, wheat just puked on Friday. It, it just, just downright puked on, on Friday. And, um, you know, it's hard to figure the wheat market out. You get you get negative news and wheat rallies, you get positive news and wheat sells off. Uh, but you're right. I mean, that is definitely something to watch. The freeze damage that happened here, we may in fact have to wait till harvest to figure out exactly how much that damage was. Uh, mixed mixed uh, reviews on that as people get out and, and crop scouts look at that, uh, at that wheat crop. Um, you know, you definitely some damage done. Just hard to tell how much. Pretty dry in the Black Sea area and, and parts of Ukraine. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, Australia coming off a, a, a multi-year drought there, they've got their own issues. Um, but all that being said, uh, you know, wheat uh, ends the week uh, on a pretty sour note. So the funds are long. Some of this bullishness is built into wheat prices. And just technically, it was not a great close uh, this week in spite of some of the friendly fundamentals we uh, we have going out there. So. Yeah. yeah, a lot of stuff going on, man. Cattle prices is another thing that I've <clears throat> been paying a lot of close attention to with, with the effects that the uh, lack of uh, demand from restaurants and like the, and uh, areas like that that we're seeing. I guess as you take a look at the livestock areas, whether it's pork or um, beef, there's just there's just no buyers right now. I mean, I guess we've got feedlots that, have, that are holding off on selling anything because it's cheaper to feed them than it is to sell them. So, um, that's a pretty tough situation to be in. It, it's yeah. There's your, your your next black swan right there. Uh, so not only do we have this world pandemic, we've uh, now spread spread the virus uh, into uh, I think at last count ten different packing plants yeah. across the country uh, uh, are closed or at least uh, way down on their on their kills. Um, we can't get all the cattle uh, killed. Basically, we're a third off of what our normal slaughter rate is. So farmers would be willing sellers of, of, uh, of fat cattle. We just can't. There's literally no, no space for them, and, and we can't get them killed. 
Same thing on the hog side of the equation. It's a real problem. You've got record uh, all-time high box beef prices because obviously we can't, uh, you know, with uh, a third less kill for the last two weeks, uh, there's less supply of meat. It's going higher. At the same time, um, you, you know, the, the cattle feeder, the, the hog uh, farmer, the, uh, the poultry guy, uh, just you know, abysmal right now. I mean, it's the worst case scenario where you're actually having to start. Uh, and, and I just started hearing that this week, that at the end of this week, you're, you're seeing some ready hogs that are getting destroyed. I started hearing a week or so ago, uh, you know, uh, sows being aborted, some, some sow slaughter. Um, it's a mess out there. It is, uh, it's beyond the black swan. Uh, like, you know, it's the black swan on top of the black swan because uh, all starting with this pandemic. And now you've got the packing industry, uh, you know, with plants idle, closed, dark, um, you know, some of them uh, needing to get their workers back healthy before they can reopen. It is just a, an absolute uh, mess on the livestock uh, side of the equation here. So uh, tough times. We did a week ago, Casey, and still awaiting some some final details on this, uh, but, a, but a week ago this afternoon, uh, we did get the, the release or the news that there's going to be some, uh, some financial, uh, support packages out here for ag, uh, a billion dollars uh, for the livestock producer, uh, I think 3.9 billion for, uh, the grain producer. We've got some milk specific dairy, dairy specific, um, uh, support in there as well. Some vegetable support. And again, we're awaiting final details on that, but, uh, you know, again, that just tells you uh, how bad it is. Nobody wants to have, uh, you know, that, uh, that type of a situation where, um, where we need support, uh, government support, especially, but, uh, that's the environment that, uh, that we're in, unfortunately. And, uh, let's just hope that some of these plants can get opened back up, get some workers back healthy and, and, uh, you know, resume normal slaughter capacity because uh, we've got some big issues out here. And, and people are starting to see it at the grocery store. You know, that's, uh, you got, you got record uh, <coughs> beef prices. It gets passed on directly to the consumer. So that's, uh, you know, another problem out there, right? What, 20 million plus jobless claims in the last three three weeks and, uh, people without jobs and, you know, now, uh, meat prices, protein prices, is, uh, shooting through the roof, especially on the, on the beef side, the pork and poultry are following and it's not a good situation anyway. You cut it. Yep. So the next thing that, that is a, uh, a catastrophic mess and just, there's just no end in sight for this either, either is the ethanol industry. <clears throat> so you take a look what's going on there. Um, there, there's been some, uh, you know, if you look at what's going on with, with the ag side, the ag um, stimulus packages and stuff that are there, there's there's not a lot in there for for ethanol. If you take a look at what's there, there's there's a few things, but nothing really too, too creative. And with 40% of the U.S. corn crop going to ethanol, um, that could have some pretty big downstream effects. So I guess as you look with what's going on now with, you know, oil prices being, you know, they're paying you to take the barrel of oil now. Um, I guess, what do you, what do you think about the ethanol industry and, and what, I guess, what lies ahead for that? Yeah, that's, um, that's the $64 million question right there. I've racked my brain for the last week or, or 10 days and it's a real, a real problem. Um, 
And like you said, there was not a lot of, of support there. There really wasn't much announced on the energy side uh, at all. We had that open cut there a couple weeks back, 10 million barrels. That wasn't enough. We're using 35 uh, or, or losing 35 million barrels a day of of uh, demand and, and a, a 10 million barrel cut just wasn't enough. And the market proved that. The market made, uh, you know, the, the hard decision to force, uh, you know, energy producers, crude oil producers to cut production. You know, when you take a barrel of oil to zero and negative, um, that's going to, the market's going to do uh, the job of forcing the cuts more so than uh, than OPEC. We've seen that happen. Unfortunately, ethanol's caught in the middle, right? The oil industry can't stand the ethanol industry um, for years and years and years. We'd like to see the ethanol industry go broke. Um, they may be well getting their wish on that. So I think that Washington is trying to put together some sort of energy package. And I would, I would think that that's going to include uh, ethanol, but the, the real problem with that is any way you cut it, right? You could you could go to the standpoint, okay, ethanol, we're gonna we're gonna give you guys some some money, industry, we're gonna help you get whole. You keep uh, keep the doors shut, don't produce any more ethanol because we got record stocks, we can't store anymore. We're out of storage, we're out of gasoline storage. Um, you just stay idle. We're gonna give you money. Well. Guess what? That that doesn't work because uh, that's horrible for corn. Um, you know, so you you got to throw corn. Unfortunately, is in the middle of that too, and so I don't know what the answer is uh, out. But just money alone doesn't solve the problem of oversupply and 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 under demanded markets. Uh, so I don't know, Casey. This is a real real problem for corn, yeah. and uh, right now. It's estimated that 40 plus percent of ethanol production is shut. Uh, ADM just announced uh, yesterday afternoon they're shutting a big plant in Cedar Rapids and one in Nebraska. Um, I believe that Cedar Rapids plant is uh, one of the biggest ones um, in the country, if not the world. I think it's an older plant, maybe not the most efficient, but it's a, it's a big, big plant. And then they're going, uh, you know, they're cutting way back on their on their dry mill um, capacity. So it's not good. And you still have, um, you know, production being shut down and slowed down and, you know, furloughing uh, workers, uh, not a good situation in ethanol. I don't know what the fix is, but um, it really is a big, big problem for the corn market uh, in particular. It doesn't mean we can't bounce. It doesn't mean there won't be bounces along the way, but uh, boy, it is, uh, there, there, there's another black swan in itself. You got ethanol, you got crude oil, you got the packing, um, you know, industry. And, and as a byproduct, you've got corn production. Uh, now, it, you know, in that hurricane of, uh, of, of, of black swans, I guess, and uh, just is uh, it's a tough time right now. But uh, there, it's like a hurricane, right? We're uh, we're maybe in the eye of it, and there's some more wind coming, but we will get to the other side of this eventually. And the other side of that, probably things get really good again. Uh, it's just going to take yeah. a while, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the flip side of that, this is just more evidence about uh, showing how how much we need to open the economies back up, right? I mean. 
my wife said the same tank of gas in her car for going on five weeks now. So she hasn't told me it's one of those things. And, you know, you run three kids around the school and activities and everything else that's going on. And she's, uh, she's the main one doing that. You know, you, you, you take that out of the scenario when she's normally buying one or one and a half tanks of fuel a week. And now she hasn't bought anything for five weeks. I know I'm not on an island somewhere. So this is just a, I think in my opinion, whatever everyone's opinion in uh, of opening the country back up is, but this is a, this is a byproduct of lack of demand and lack of economic growth. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the unfortunate part is uh, I'm, I'm the same way. I, I forget when this thing started, at least in Illinois, I think it was the first week of March, maybe uh, second week, somewhere around there. I um, would typically drive to the office uh, roughly rounding here 60 miles a day, five days a week, uh, 300 miles a week. I have, um, and I filled up right that same week that uh, Illinois shut down. I've got a, uh, a little over a quarter of a tank of gas left. And so, yeah, I mean, again, to your point, that's, 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 that is the real deal. And the problem is now as you open back up, just snap your fingers and we're at the same, you know, moving the, the engine at the same speed as we were right. uh, in It's going to take a while a trying to prove this. Yeah, you know, they're still trying to get back to normal in China and they're a couple months on the other side of it. And so now you, you, you take that much longer to reprime the pump and get everybody back on the road and get people back to their jobs. And the, and the sad part is that likely there's going to be businesses there's going to be jobs that are permanently lost businesses permanently closed that don't make it through this uh people permanently um at least for the foreseeable future you know permanent job losses out of this um it's it's just it's going to take a while we're not going to just snap our fingers and be back to you know 90 an hour like we were uh you know first of the year no, no, it will definitely take a while. And yeah, this just won't be a quick fix. This is going to be several months to maybe even several years before it's back to normal. So, well, uh, Chip, good stuff as usual. Folks want to reach out to you and talk about a plan and just some stuff that they're kicking around right now. What's the best way to do that? Yeah, best way is just call our office 309-550-7213. We're all working from home, but it rings over to the cell phone and uh, we'd uh, be happy to chat with you and, uh, at least give you a second set of eyes and ears, a second opinion, and uh, kind of see what your situation is and how you might be able to uh, improve it at this point. All right on. Well, I'm Casey Seymour with Moving Iron Podcast. Make sure you check out uh, all my social media out there at Moving Iron LLC. Also, go to movingironllc.com for the latest blog post. I just posted one here uh, last week, actually. So uh, just popped up there. You should see another one. Probably have another one out this weekend. Check that out. Also, check out Global Ag Network and all the great podcasters out there, part of that network. And last but not least, make sure you give Chip a call and follow him on Twitter. He gets uh, every once in a while, he gets a good good zinger out there, so it's worth listening to. So, I'm Casey Seymour for uh, Chip Nelger. Let's go move some iron, folks. Out. Moving iron in the 21st century.